When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. A lot of people are going to be surprised that the Chicago Bears are going to be very competitive this season. A lot of people talking about tanking. We're going to have a top five pick. I'm here to tell you right now, the Bears are not going to have a top five pick next season. It's just not going to happen. This team is going to be very competitive, and it's going to be a surprise to a lot of you. And I see you already on Twitter. Already talking about the top five pick. Don't worry about that. Unless we're trading up, we're not going to have a top five pick. I think that this team has everything there to be competitive. And I think, you know, the blueprint was laid out for us by the Philadelphia Eagles. And this is something that we talked about on the show last week with Tom Hannafin of Impact Wrestling. And by the way, Slammiversary. I told you all to, to watch that show. It was amazing. I'm glad you guys checked it out. But here's my thing. The Bears are going to be very competitive. And you can look at what the Eagles did last season. They brought in Jalen Hurts, of course, a second-year guy. New coach, started off a little rough, but then they focused in on that running game and became very competitive, played good defense. They ran the football, which is something the Bears are going to be able to do this year. And at some point, the things that are missing from the Bears, a big time, and that's it, Darnell Mooney is our wide receiver one. How about another receiver to go with Darnell Mooney and Bayless Jones and Byron Pringle? How about a little bit of an improvement on the defensive line? That's fine. But the pieces are there. I think the Bears can make a run to the playoffs like the Eagles did last year and like the Eagles did last year. They got bounced by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but that's fine. Now they are serious contenders for the NFC. And I think if the Bears are there, they do what they need to do. They continue to develop. Next season, they go into the free agent market, see who's available. Could Debo be available? Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, who knows? There's a lot of volatility. Sign one of those guys draft somebody in the top 15, maybe top 20, whatever. And they go out there and take care of your business. So I think by mid season, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to be scrubbing their Twitter. Not me though, because I know what's going on. And by the way, Sammy, why don't we go ahead and start the show? Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to the sick podcast with Adam Ray. The Sickest Chicago Bears and Fantasy Football Podcast. Sports entertainment like no other. It's going to be sick. Hey, welcome to the Sick Podcast. It is me, Adam Rank. And before we bring out our guest, who I am delighted to have on the show once again, we have a big announcement. We are now live on Fridays on WCKG in Chicago, the world famous 
WCKG. And I, I'll be honest with you. I could not be more proud uh, than to be a part of this great station. And I will tell you, my family, uh, and I still have people out there in the greater Chicagoland area, the Heglins, the Bells, the Davises, the Comptons. The Comptons are still running around. Um, listen, none of them are impressed with anything that I do. I could be on the NFL Network all the time. They're mildly amused. I'm going to be doing a full week of GMFB. They're okay. They're whatever. Total access. Oh, that's cool. The fantasy show. Oh, they love it. But now that I'm on the radio in Chicago, on WCKG, now they're impressed. Now I finally made it. Now I am a big shot in the family. Uh, you know what? And it's and it's cool. Listen, radio is one of my first loves. It's what I've always wanted to do. Always just wanted to be on the radio. That's it. Growing up, I wanted to be Jim Rome. I wanted to follow along the lines of people like that, be on some of these stations like WCKG. And now it's happening. And we could not be more thrilled about this partnership. So I thank them. Thanks, everybody who is listening. You're driving around Chicago right now. You're like, I know that guy. Yeah, I'm going to be here once a week talking about some Chicago Bears, bringing you some great guests like the person that we have uh, right now. She is a return guest for us. Uh, we had her on earlier. She was amazing. Uh, she's the regional editor for the NFL Wires Network of the USA Today. Uh, but even though she took that fancy promotion, you think that she gave up on the Bears? No, no, no. She continued to be the managing editor of the Bears Wire, and she does a fantastic job. She is a loyal, loyal target shopper. I don't know. I like listen her her Twitter list. It's 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 too much Bears. But let's bring her onto the show. Listen, Bar Alyssa Barbieri. Uh, Alyssa, thank you so much. I'm trying to get a better read of you. Following, I'm a, I'm a, I'm looking I'm I'm looking at your Twitter follows. It's all it's all football. Are you all football all the time? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I mean, since I was like seven years old, I've just been sports has been like it. But to answer your question, yes, I am a loyal target shopper. If that helps. I saw that. <laughs> that was one of the that's one of the ones that stood out. I'm like, oh, finally, something a little personal. Like you look at my Twitter follows. I do random things, obviously, a lot of wrestling and TV and music stuff. But you you're like a you're a, you're 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 a hardened football analyst and i guess that's that's good that's why we have you on thank you so much for being here we do love you having you on the show yeah thanks for having me back and congratulations oh my gosh thank that you is, yeah we're amazing news i can't believe it and it's uh it's insane to me that we're driving you know people driving around chicago listening to this show like it's awesome i mean keep your eyes on the road don't don't veer off you know maintain your focus but it's also it's awesome to uh, be a part of that and uh, have you on here as well. Although I am a little, I don't know. I got to be honest with you. I, I wanted to talk to you because I'm a little, I'm a little put out by something that you wrote a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm going to, you know, I listen, I follow your work. I enjoy your work. But the other day in my inbox, because I get it mailed to me, I don't want to miss it. I sign up to the Bears Wire newsletter because I want that news dropping daily. And you wrote an article. Let me see if I get the the, 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 the let me get the headline right. It's uh the headline said the Bears are hot garbage and they're not gonna win because they're awful. At okay, maybe that's a little extreme. But you had a you had a you had a okay, you had a piece called the five positions uh that the Bears got worse over the offseason. And I guess my first question is why do you hate us and why do you hate me? 
Well, I mean, that's good. That's the content that people want to see. So, I mean, I have to analyze the good and the bad because, I mean, let's be real. I mean, a lot of the attention this offseason has been quite negative. And, I mean, yeah. there's there's a good reason for it. But there's also, like, you know, you mentioned some optimism. But, you know, it's hard to kind of look at this roster and what Ryan Poles has done so far. I mean, he has to tear it down. That's just the simple yeah. fact of the matter. And when you do that, you're going to be worse at some positions. So, I mean, that's not going to be – permanent obviously it's going to take some time through the draft and free agency next season when right now i think they have like 97 million in cap space heading into 2023 but a lot of roster spots to fill as well so i mean but there are some weaknesses on this roster we'll see what happens you know during training camp when you have players being cut and any pickups that are made so but i mean there, there are some weaknesses on this team heading into 2022 don't necessarily think that means that they're going to be a bottom five team in the slightest that's that's my takeaway is that you don't like us. No, I'm just kidding. That, but that's the over, that's the overreaction to people. And I know that you have, you know, you, people write headlines and they want to read and people love lists and they love top fives and they love the, listen, I get the CE or the SEO uh, that you want to get. And it's understandable. Um, but I do have it here in front of me. I want to go over it. Uh, we'll go over the five positions. Uh, Cause I do want to dive into this a little bit because I don't necessarily disagree. I think that they're because number one, you had wide receiver. And I think that it's a fair statement because, you know, Allen Robinson is gone. And Allen Robinson, to me, is one of the better players in the NFL. But at the same time, couldn't you say that last year, the way Allen Robinson was used, and I put this mostly on the coaching staff and the management for franchise tagging him, aren't we kind of better off? Like, isn't the breakup kind of, aren't both sides better off that that relationship has ended? I mean, if Ryan Pace was still here, I think so, because I think that that relationship and Allen Robinson feeling disrespected because he wasn't being paid like some of the top receivers in the league. And obviously that even impacted the, the contract he signed with the Rams. So, I mean, I was I think a lot of people were hoping that maybe Ryan Poles would come in here and want to rebuild that. But at the same time, he was kind of strapped with, you know, the salary cap situation and having to clear uh, all of these, you know, big salaries and get rid of some of these older players. He clearly wants a younger roster and, you know, he's, he's doing it his way. We can't fault him for that, but I mean, it's hard to kind of think that this team would not be a lot better or that there would be so much criticism surrounding the bears or Justin Fields supporting cast. If Allen Robinson was still in the building. Yeah, that's fair. Like, cause we would probably be having prime Allen Robinson, Justin Fields able to practice with him, which I guess yeah. uh, would have been a shock. And I'm, yeah, I know it's weird. I know it's a weird thing this season to uh, to think about that, like practicing with the ones. What is this all about? I will though. I wonder though. I, I don't know how much uh, you follow me on the social medias, but uh, you know, Valus Jones and I are now best friends, and I've really, you know, I've taken it. Uh, it has become my mission, I guess I should say, to try to get him over. And to try to let the world know that this young man's going to come out and be a very productive football player from 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 week one. What is your read on Bayless Jones? How do you think that he's going to be able to do this season with the Bears? I mean, immediately in uh, during offseason workouts, they were kind of putting him at every position because they really want him. They really want to utilize him. I mean, he's someone that could be a really a true playmaker for Justin Fields. His speed is just. And, and incredible. And then obviously his run after the catch ability. I, I think that they can use him however they want. He's someone Justin Fields described 
uh, in an interview with Bleacher Report as a running back that you know that's yeah. playing receiver. So I mean, I think that the sky is endless. We uh, the limit is endless. Uh, but I guess we'll see kind of more. We I guess we won't really know until we see him out there on the field. But I think that there he's going to be a big part of this offense. And Luke Getzey's probably like, oh yeah, I can I can work with this. <laughs> Yeah, I think that was one of the things too, and I know that uh, the the Bears wrapped up mandatory mini mini camps recently, and there's still a long ways to go. And I think that having a player who's a little bit more established, and obviously a lot of people made light of his age, and why are we drafting somebody who's old enough to rent a car and and things of that nature? I think that actually benefits somebody like Justin Fields. Like he's the exact same age as AJ Brown. And, you know, I don't I don't think that Philadelphia fans are looking at A.J. Brown being like, why do we have this old wide receiver? They just see somebody who can play. Do you think that too much is being made of his age? Yeah, and that was the first negative criticism that everyone seemed to have when the Bears drafted him. I know people were a little surprised that he was taken as high as he was. And one of the things was, well, he's 25 years old. He's going to be 25 when the season starts. But then you have that maturity, too, which you can argue some receivers in the past, like Anthony Miller, maybe didn't have. And so I think that that's beneficial. And he even mentioned that it could be definitely beneficial. He has more experience and, you know, he's coming in as a rookie, but he's also a veteran in a way because he's had that additional experience. Yeah. One of the things that all that the second criticism, I think that we would, uh, we would have found was a couple of weeks ago, it might've been a month now, maybe not that long, but a couple of weeks ago, somebody from one of the Chicago papers, and I mentioned this on the show before came out and called him undersized. Said he was, you know, and it, and of all the things that you're going to criticize this young man about, like I did not get the impression, and I even said it. I said, "Listen, I've been up close to him. I've been face to face with him. Undersized is not a way that I would have described him." The dude ended up blocking me, and then eventually ending his uh, Twitter account. Do you think that he's under? I, I don't know. I don't. I don't get the undersized comment. Yeah, I don't get that either. I mean, there, you could say that about plenty of receivers that you know have obviously overcome that. And that's going to be the thing. Like, we'll see what can Bayless Jones do. Like, I mean, like, he hasn't even hit the football field yet. I mean, we've been practicing yeah. right now. We're talking about practice. So, I mean, <laughs> I think these criticisms, criticisms might be more valid later down the line once the regular season gets going. But, I mean, obviously his his uh, strength is going to be that speed and exactly how he's going to be utilized and what he can really do with that. No, absolutely. The speed is the one thing that stands out to me. That's one of the things that you can't teach and you know what, when you come in and even if, uh, you know, he has a limited playbook, there are opportunities for him to go out there and make pop plays, to make YouTube plays and things like that. And speaking of YouTube, uh, for anybody listening to us on WCKG, uh, the Sick Podcast is available on YouTube. You can search us out, go out there, just type in the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank. Not only do we have this show, but we do a Tuesday night show uh, that you probably have seen featured on the WCKG Facebook page. Check us out. We also will, you know, once the season starts, likely have some game recaps as well. So plenty of content in addition to the show that you're listening to right now. And uh, we are being joined right now by Alyssa Barbieri of the USA Today, talking about the Bears, talking about five ways the Bears roster, not quite as great as it was last year in the wide receiver position. I understand that's that's a fair position. Um, Your second one, was the interior defensive line. And again, when I look at it, and I think like Akeem Hicks is gone. And, you know, there's been some other some other losses. This one's a little bit hard to defend because Ogunjobi did not pass as physical, and we ended up losing out on him. 
A lot of it, it seems, comes down to Justin Jones. Is this one, could the Bears be in trouble on the interior here? Yeah, and I think that's the, probably the biggest concern on this defense heading into the season. When you kind of look at the losses, uh, Akeem Hicks, Bilal Nichols, and Eddie Goldman, even though Goldman was coming off a pretty rough year, I mean, you could still argue those are the been starters down the line. The, the defensive line for many years has been the biggest strength of this defense, and now it's just kind of like a reset. I mean, you have obviously Justin Jones at the three tech. He's going to be one of the most important positions, and now you might have like Kyrus Tonga at the nose tackle who is a second-year player, had some reps last season, but again, an unproven player. And Matt Eberflus talked about kind of implementing like this rotational system with, you know, along the defensive line, even at, on the edge. And so like guys like Mario Edwards and Angela Blackson, I think you're going to see a lot of them as well. So at least they have the depth, but at the same time, you don't have those big playmakers. I mean, I could be wrong. Let's see what Justin Jones does. Prove us wrong, right? Or Kyrus Tonga, whoever's starting there alongside him. So I definitely think that's my biggest concern on defense uh, when I really thought it might be linebacker. Um, but at this point, I thought they would address it. I mean, Ryan Poles did try to with Ogunjobi, but as we saw, it didn't work out. And Jones is plan B, so we'll see if plan B works. Yeah, that and they moved really quickly on to Justin Jones. Like there was a – it wasn't like it went weeks – where they were looking for a replacement for him. They were pretty immediate going to Justin Jones. And I think a big reason why was that he was highly sought after. I know that perhaps, I think it was Minnesota who was looking at him to come in to play the position as well. He obviously had, well, no, because uh, the, the the Rams, he was a the assistant. Kevin O'Connell was a Rams assistant. Justin Jones, of course, played for the LA Chargers. And one of the things that always, though, that, that stands out to me is that Justin Jones did battle some injuries during his time in Los Angeles. But when you look at the statistics of when he was on the field, he was a highly productive player. And I think that there's a big reason why that he was highly sought after, why Ryan Poles did not wait. And also, you know, when you look at this, and again, I know that you're you're writing from a, a roster construction standpoint, and it's, there's truth to that, that the interior defensive line uh, on paper does look worse. But could you reason that with Matt Eberflus there, in control that he has done a great job over the course of his career of, of working with defensive lines that didn't have a lot of big names. I know they, the Colts made a big trade with the, with the 49ers um, a couple of years ago, but he's done throughout his career. He's been able to do it with some non big names. Is there a chance though, that despite the fact that these guys are not household names, that they could be a little bit better? I don't know. I will see if they're better, but I mean, Matt Eberflus, I think is the X factor. Like you mentioned, I think coaching that's, I think this is a big, it's going to have a big impact on this season because Eberflus, he's the defensive guy, right? This is when you get that defensive minded yeah. head coach and he has proven, he has a proven success with defense. We saw what he did in Indianapolis. So, and kind of looking at the fact that Ryan Poles hasn't gone out and made any other moves kind of maybe tells you that Ryan, that Matt Eberflus is feeling confident with the personnel that he currently has and that he can get the most out of them. And we're going to see a lot. They're going to be playing a lot, a lot of rotation there. So, I mean, can they be better? That that would be amazing, right? <laughs> when you're talking about right. replacing Hicks and Goldman. So I hope so. But I think Eberflus is going to do a number with this and with, with this defensive line. And it kind of makes you wish that, you know, the Bears had him last year, right? When they had those other names in place. But, I mean, we'll see. It kind of seems like he's confident with the personnel he has right now. So, if, if there's a, I think that's the one thing that has me feeling like not panicking at the moment because they have someone like Eberflus who kind of knows how to get the job done. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you're on an airplane 
and you hit some turbulence and you want to start, you know, you, you get a little, at least I do. I get a little nervous. I start looking around. I always look at the flight attendants. You know, the flight attendants are walking around nonchalant. They're still delivering coffee. They're doing whatever. Like then I don't panic. I guess, oh, okay, we're fine. But then like when they're taking their seats, they're putting on their seat belts. That's when I get a little concerned. And to me, like you said, there doesn't seem to be a lot of panic. They're still out there. Ryan Poles is still out there delivering peanuts, you know, making sure you don't have an allergy or whatever. But yeah, he's still out there. Yeah, that's cool. Like, ah, little, little bumpy air. Like, it's no big deal. So again, and I know a lot of this too. And this comes from the eternal optimist. And for anybody who is uh, listening to us for the first time on WCKG, uh, I'm I'm the optimist guy. I'm always I'm always going to take the the brighter side of things and be like, no, 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 we're better. We're okay. And I always, I, again, I go back to the coaching and I think that it's going to be better. And by the way, as you say, like, where was he last year? Could you imagine if we would have had Eberflus last year? Like, oh my gosh, they should have cleaned house last year, but then we might not have Justin Fields. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of take what we have because we got Justin Fields. And as yeah. someone who's been following the Bears for her entire life and has like never had a franchise quarterback, except for Jay Cutler maybe, uh, I'm good with that. So we'll see now. He has a chance to kind of re- to build this defense from from the bottom up and any franchise hopeful franchise quarterback. Let's talk about quarterback then, because this will lead us into the next position of of weakness uh, that we had. But but speaking of that, before we move on to to your number three point or your number three position, franchise quarterbacks. You talk about Jay Cutler, legitimately. Like I know this is a joke, but like who are who are who who are the guys? Like, what do we do? Like that, I always say that the three best Bears quarterbacks in my lifetime have been Jim McMahon, Jay Cutler, and then it's Walter Payton on the halfback option. And that's the list. That's the list right there. And you said Jay Cutler, you're younger than me. Like you've you've never really seen excellent quarterback play. That's sad to me. Yeah, Jay Cutler is the only one. That's it. Just just one. He's the one. Uh, and that, that's the frustrating thing, right? I think for Bears fans. And that's why, you know, having Justin Fields on the roster, I think even for a season where you kind of know that it's, you're probably, it's, they're probably not going to have a great season, but we kind of hold out hope. I mean, we're, it's June now, right? They still have optimism. Uh, but at the same time, it's as long as Justin Fields kind of takes that step forward and shows that, Hey, maybe he's finally going to be the guy that so many people like me have been waiting for, for, for most of their lives, you know, then it'll all be worth it. Right. Yeah, and it's one thing, too, you know, um, because we had Jim McMahon on the show a couple of weeks ago. And by the way, again, if you're you're tuning in for the first time on WCKG, you want to go back into our YouTube archives, you can find the podcast that we did with Jim McMahon, a great conversation there. One of the things that he talked about, which is kind of funny, not funny, but Jim McMahon was such a prolific passer. Like, if you knew anything about him at BYU or anything like that, and then when he gets to the Bears, it is all like you're just handing off the football. Like your job is to hand off the football to Walter Payton. Had he gone to some other organization, he might be looked at as, you know, this all-time great quarterback. Because even Steve Young was like, Jim McMahon was better than me. That it, it's it's so funny about the circumstance. So we finally did get a, a franchise quarterback. We used him as a guy to hand off the ball to Walter Payton. And I know a lot of the old people, uh, will come in and be like, well, Sid Luck, like, listen, Sid Luckman, like, even though nobody remember, stop it with Sid Luckman. I don't want to, I, I, I always, that's why I always couch it with my lifetime. Like, and it seems impossible, like, not to be able to go and, and have, like, how do we not have at least one good quarterback? You look at an organization 
and I know that they were just in the Super Bowl, but I still look down on them. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals have gone on a run where they had like Ken Anderson, who's like a borderline Hall of Famer, Boomer Esiason, to Carson Wentz, to Andy Dalton wasn't even that bad, to Joe Burrow now. And speaking of Andy Dalton, that brings us to number three on your list. You think the Bears are now worse at backup quarterback. Even though we went, we brought in our own blood. We brought in a, a, a nice Northwestern kid, a guy, Clay Harbor. Again, if you want to go back to the archives, Clay Harbor was on the show. We talked about how great Trevor Simeon is, and you besmirched him. You defamed the pride of Chicago. How? Why, Alyssa? Why did you do this to us? <laughs> well, when you look at it, I mean, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles, obviously, as starters, did not work out. But, I mean, at the same time, kind of wondering what they would look like without Matt Nagy. Just, I think, I think we're all wondering that. Uh, but at the same time, like, they, they're two veterans that have a lot of experience. And I think they're very helpful to Justin in the quarterback room as well. So, when you go from them to to Simeon and, and Nathan Peterman, uh, you know, not definitely a downgrade, just kind of in terms of overall success in terms of their careers and kind of what they bring to the table, especially because when you think about it, um, like last year, as we saw, Fields was just like, obviously he got hurt last year because he was just being banged behind the line. So, I mean, at yeah. any moment you could have that backup coming in and, you know, it's kind of like, who do you feel more comfortable coming out there? You feel like Andy Dalton or Nick Foles or Trevor Simeon or Nathan Peterman. It's just, just a sad reality that we have to live with in the NFL because it can happen very quickly. You know, I'll, I'll sit here and allow you to take your shots at Trevor Simeon, but Nathan Peterman, I will not stand for. <laughs> this young man has had to wear it so often. Uh, been put in such unenviable situations and yet still comes somehow he still gets jobs like that is the one yes. thing like that is the most insane thing to me is like he's still like this guy's still a backup quarterback it's like when they talk about uh Carson Wentz who's the commander's quarterback and he's out there in his press conference wearing his Nick Papa Giorgio gold jacket looking all talking I don't the guy never talks like a starting NFL quarterback and they're like, this is my last chance. And it's like, no, 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 Carson, you'll get like eight more chances. Like, what are you talking about last chance? You're going to be in the NFL for a long time. As long as you want to be a backup quarterback or whatever, you are going to have your chances. And then, I don't know. So I think, I don't know what my point was. But Nate Peterman, I'm, I'm upset about that. I will say this. I'm going to miss Nick Foles being an extension of the fans on the sideline talking to Matt Nagy. Because there were times last year where you're like, Nick Foles gets me. Like I just, yeah. the way he was so dismissive of the coach, I, I thought like, if you're looking for the highlights, that might've, that might've been my biggest highlight from last year. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing. Cause Nick Foles, obviously the whole 2020 quarterback situation, even like dating back to training camp, the whole Trubisky versus Foles and the fact that nobody could win it. And we're just like, okay, this is going to end. This is going to end well. Right. Uh, and they're just kind of like seeing the whole, the fact that the bears shelled out a draft capital and paid Nick Foles a crap yeah. ton of money and to see how that, kind of went that a lot that didn't sit well with a lot of fans but at the same time he made up for it with how he was kind of sticking it to Matt Nagy back in 2020 and last year in 2021 so I gotta yeah. give it give it up for Foles because you know he was like you said an extension of the fans on the sideline and was pretty much saying things that we all wanted to say to him right but couldn't so yeah. good on you Nichols I appreciate that like you always have like somebody in your line of work wherever you wherever you work there's always somebody who has the ear of the boss who's able to say things that you as a rank and file employee might not be able to say that was Nick Foles. And he was great. 
I, I, I will say this. Now, Nick Foles is kind of my ideal backup quarterback. I don't know if they had to get rid of him because of the salary cap implications or whatever, but he always seemed to be able to just kind of accept who he was as a player. And that is one of the things that I would say for Trevor Simeon. Like, he has the ability to win games in this league. Like, if you put him into a situation where, you know what, you got the Giants upcoming, he needs to start, he can go out there and win that game. And I think that, you know, long-term, like he's not going to be your franchise quarterback, but in the short term, he's got the ability to go out there and win some games. And I think that's important. I think sometimes when you have players like Andy Dalton that are borderline, like, yeah, you're sort of good enough to be a franchise. But like he could, like if he was in Washington, I would almost think that he's a better option than Carson Wentz. That's just me, but I think that he could be. And I think it's difficult when you have these guys that are like, you're a backup, but you think you're a starter. You know what? To me, and it's like a, a situation, it's like an analogy that I always like to use. It's like always play the always play the tees that are commiserate to your skill level. I know it's a golf metaphor, but too often you get these guys out there, and I see it. I'll go out there. I was staying at a vacation home in Palm Springs this year, and you see people go out there hitting from the blues, sometimes hitting from the blacks. And it's like, bro, that's not where you should be. You're a, you're a front tease person, and you should accept that. The worst are the people who don't understand that. And I think Andy Dalton was kind of in that mix where it's like, bro, this point of your career, sort of a backup. You should be that guy. And it also still offends me that they had to placate him last year. Like, oh, we promised Andy Dalton. He was this – you promised Andy Dalton, okay? You didn't promise prime Peyton Manning. I think there needs to be a little bit of a, 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 a little bit of a break from there. So again, Alyssa, I don't, I, I kind of like Trevor Simeon. I think he's going to be good for us. I mean, we'll see. And Ryan Pohl seems to agree with you because he he was saying that Simeon has uh, more of a similar skill set to to Fields, and so he feels more comfortable doing that. Obviously, he's a lot cheaper too. When you kind of yeah. look at the combined money between Foles and Dalton last season, just ridiculous. And now you get Simeon and you get Peterman at you know cheap rate so i mean i think that's the theme for polls this offseason is kind of signing a lot of these veterans to some cheap one-year deals so well in simian's case two years so i mean we'll yeah. see hopefully no, he simian, ends up working out hopefully we don't see him too much <laughs> i don't no disrespect to simian but i want him on a ball cap on the sideline for the entirety of the year i want him out there just hanging out just being a part of the show congratulating justin fields when he makes a great play and he's running off the sideline i will say this i did i do not know trevor simian I know people who know Trevor Simeon who love him. He's athletic, as you said. And I think that he's probably that guy that I, I don't know. This is me imagining it. But when he was doing intramurals at uh, Northwestern, like he was a he was a better basketball player or whatever than you were giving him credit for. You're like, oh, Trevor Simeon can go. So I, I'm high, I have high hopes for him. So again, this is where I disagree with you. But I think that it's we're probably better off. And I'm saying we. I know everybody who's listening to us on WCKG being like, who is this lunatic and why is he saying we? Is he a part of the team? No, nope. but I say we. I buy all the merch. I uh, Well, I, you know, they send it to me. But listen, I buy a lot of the merch for my kids. I'm buying them Bayless Jones jerseys, even though Alyssa doesn't doesn't like him. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, I'm not kidding about buying the jersey that you didn't like. I'm just teasing. Um, <laughs> but I think, by the way, yeah, anybody who's just tuning in right now, Alyssa Barbieri of the USA Today is with us. The managing editor of the Bears Wire, and she's got a big gig at the USA. She's an important person at the USA today, but still slums it with us covering the bears. And we appreciate that. Even though she's sitting here taking her shots at them, we still appreciate you 
Uh, let's go to the next position uh, where we – where was it? Hold on. Back up quote. Oh, it's Edge. This is, again, again, I understand where you're coming from. If you're looking at the grand scheme of things, Khalil Mack, Travis Gibson, I mean, it's, it's no comparison. But, again, I will point out that when Khalil Mack was out last season – Gibson played pretty well, and now he's moving back to his defensive end position, which I think could be beneficial. Yeah, definitely, along with that added experience. But, I mean, it's something that, that it had to be said, right? Like you said, Khalil Mack to Travis Gibson, there's no comparison at all. You know, one's an all-pro an all pro bowler. So, I mean, going from Mack to Gibson, but, you know, Gibson, there's a lot to love about him. Al-Kadeem Muhammad coming over from Indianapolis as well. And then Robert Quinn, at least he's he's there, right? He's gonna he's he's showing up, right? He's not getting traded. Right. Uh, so I mean, you still have Robert Quinn on one side, coming off a, a career year or a fairly single season career year, and then having Gibson another year of experience and going back to his natural position on defensive end, and having Matt Eberflus there, right? That's just it. Kind of feels like I don't necessarily think edge rusher is gonna be bad. I just think when you look at the roster, it just got worse because you lose Mac and you don't really have. A replacement for him. It is one of those situations, though, when you look at what happened. Again, I was of the mind, and I said this before the trade even went down, that I would keep Khalil Mack, I would keep Robert Quinn. I think it was going to be more beneficial to hold on to those guys, and perhaps during the middle of the season, if things aren't working out, or even if they are, if you understand you're a middling team that's not competing for a Super Bowl, that you could flip them, similar to what the Denver Broncos did last season with Von Miller where they were able to trade him to the L.A. Rams. He went on to lead them to a Super Bowl. I thought that both of those guys could be those type of players. Perhaps Bobby Quinn is still that guy that they flipped during the season. But at the same time, the Khalil Mack thing was, you know, something that when you find a team that's going to give you a second-round pick and pick up his entire salary, I think that's of the benefit. I think that ended up being a good move, even though on paper it doesn't look great for the Bears defense. Yeah, you know, when that trade happened, everyone, when, they, when the when the terms came out, they're like, a second and a six, that's it for Mac. But then, like you said, it had the added benefit of that the salary cap of impact, especially in 2023, where it frees up, I think, about $26.5 additional cap. So that's a big thing, especially considering you don't know if Khalil Mack's value, trade value, is going to be the same as it is a year ago. Is he recovered from that foot injury? Do pe Are people going to trade for him? Is he going to be the same Khalil Mack that he was, you know, there are always those questions. So I think Cole saw it as an opportunity to kind of also capitalize on getting a draft pick out of it, right? Getting a couple draft picks, which is something he had five when he took over and he then turned that into 11. So, I mean, pretty impressive. Yeah. Cole. And I think it just kind of speaks to the direction, getting younger on the roster and bring up a little bit of salary cut space, even for this year to make some other moves. Yeah, that is one of the things too. Again, like I, I thought that I was in, or I was impressed. I didn't think I was impressed with the way he was able to go out there and solidify the offensive line. I noticed that you didn't put offensive line on this list. The fifth one though was punter, if I'm remembering this correctly. That, that's where I checked out because because uh, O'Donnell's dead to me. Going to the Packers, like yeah. that's the thing. Like, listen, I know you got to leave. Allen Robinson leaves. He goes to the Los Angeles Rams. I'm happy for him. Like, I hope he has a great career. I hope he has a great season. I have no ill will towards Allen Robinson. I thought the situation last season with Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace was not beneficial to him. So you had to let it go. You had to move on. That's fine. At the same time, 
you know, Matt Forte has also done this. He went and he played for the Jets. That was perfect. Go play for the Jets. We never have to worry about you. You're fine. Go do your thing. The fact that you would go and sign with the Green Bay Packers, I would have instructed my agent, been like, do not, do not accept the deal from the Packers. What is that all about? And what, what can you tell us about our new punter? Because I'll be honest, I haven't studied him, and uh, I hope we never see him. I never want to be punted. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I'm a Pat O'Donnell, that whole situation. Like you said, the Packers, really? I mean, like, I guess yeah. the money and just kind of finding another job. I, it might have been something where you kind of wonder if polls was someone who maybe he wanted to move on because, like, you know, O'Donnell kept getting signed to these one-year extensions and kind of seemed like he was yeah. on the way out eventually. And clearly the Bears had uh, intent with Trenton Gill when they drafted him or they were going to draft a punter in the draft because when Ryan Winslow was still on the roster, did not see that kind of being a replacement. Uh, I mean, like you said, I hope we don't see too much of Gill. I mean, don't know a lot about him yet. I mean, we'll see. Right now it looks like it's his job at this point, right? Because he's the only guy on the roster, only punter on the roster. So, I mean, uh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Hopefully, like you said, I they're not punting too much. Well, the thing of it is, and this is probably why I didn't pay too much attention to it yet. I'll start di deep diving a little bit as we get closer to training camp and everything. I, I really do appreciate one of the approaches that Ryan Poles had in the draft where a lot of the guys that he selected have a strong background or history on special teams. Obviously, Bayless Jones Jr., strong special teams guy. But a lot of these other players – have a lot of great special teams pedigrees. And I think that is a good sign. It helps as a throwback to the Lovey Smith era, which the Matt Eberflus era uh, is starting to show that as, as well, this, this early into his tenure. I don't know why, but I just kind of trust Ryan Poles for whatever reason. Am I, am I being foolish once again? I mean, I'm kind of on that boat too. I mean, what we're, you know, just a few months in, I think that's the right response, right? Is you have someone new coming in who's someone with a clear vision and he, he's he's making that vision happen so far. Granted, they haven't taken the football field yet. We'll see if they're feeling the same in a couple of years. But, you know, I do like that he kind of came in, even from like the whole GM process, the hiring process, where he came in and, you know, reportedly demanded that he wants to be the one to hire the head coach, right? Not that he was yeah. going to be kind of pushed together, kind of like the Bears with Brian Pace and John Fox, right? No arranged yeah. marriages. He wanted to pick the guy because he knows that it's going to be them two that are answering for, you know, for this entire team and it's going to be their jobs on the line. So I really liked that, that kind of command and that he has a clear vision for what he wants to do. I mean, it's only been a few months. So, I mean, people that are still kind of like on him need to take a step back because it's going to take some time, right? You're not building a Super Bowl winning roster in, you know, one year, especially when you're strapped to draft capital and some salary cap space. So, I mean, I've, I've liked what he's doing so far. I have a good feeling about him. Hopefully it works out. I guess the next Ryan and Matt 2.0, you're really hoping that that one does pan out. <laughs> yeah, that is one of the things that was unfortunate, that we had to go Matt and Ryan once again. Because, that again, like you give you give the media something to focus in on that's stupid. They're just yeah. going to go in and do it. Like, that's just a given. Like, hey, it's Ryan and Ryan. Ryan and Matt again. Like, okay, we get that. I think it's insane, though when teams hire a GM after a head coach. Like, it makes absolutely no sense. There, there's never, unless the GM abruptly has to resign or something happens, let the GM come in and pick a coach because he's got to reshape the whole vision over the organization. And 
let me ask you this. Now we again we were going over the five things where the where the Bears got worse. Let's start. This is now where I can start being positive again. I think that in this short time, and you alluded to it a moment ago, Alyssa. I really do feel that there have been a lot of positive steps already. The fact that it seems like, you know, they're not answering to Ted. It's Ryan Poles. Like he is going to be the guy who's going directly to the McCaskey family as it should be. It feels like a lot of the things like they, they bring in Ian Cunningham, who is an assistant GM, which we have never had before. And he's adding to the infrastructure of this team. Again, these are things that might not result in a win this season, but I think for the long term, it really feels, and I know that there's skepticism, and I know that Bears fans always want to complain about the family or whatever. I really do believe that the family has now put the organization in a great spot and is moving forward and allowing Ryan Poles to add layers to this situation. Yeah, especially when you go from the previous regime, right, and kind of how that kind of blew up in their faces and how they probably let it go on a little too longer than they should have, right? You know, there was an argument they could have fired Nagy a little bit earlier, or even Ryan Pace, you kind of, you know, saw their track record. They were kind of, it felt like they were clinging to the 2018 season, which, you know, yeah. people forget it was like four years ago, right? Not like this team has not gotten better since then. So, I mean, obviously that had to be made. And I think the handling of Justin Fields, you know, Ryan Pace does get credit for drafting him, but, you know, and Matt Nagy just, and Matt Nagy does get credit for also mishandling him as well. So I think, you know, that's a big thing. And you look at this new regime coming in and, you know, again, we're in the very beginning. So you have that optimism, but kind of seeing that they, it, it feels night and day, completely different. Like Matt Eberflus from Matt Nagy, it just kind of feels like the adult has entered the room. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we're just even listening to him speak. He's actually answering questions, not trying to kind of, you know, you know, kind of like elude certain certain uh, questions and kind of like talk around something and say something without saying anything. And, you know, Ryan Pace always kind of seemed to hide in the corner where Ryan Poles is kind of more open and he's like answering questions. It just feels like a completely different atmosphere and it makes you kind of feel optimistic that maybe this is the turnaround that they needed. It is almost off-putting that Ryan Poles has been very upfront He's been very deliberate, and then he's delivered on everything that he said he was going to do. It's almost like when you're playing poker with somebody, and he's like, I've got pocket tens. And you're like, okay, that's not what he has, whatever. And then he flips the cards. I'm like, that's what, like, you told me your hand. Because he talked about the draft. Like, I'm not doing this. I'm not signing any big money free agents. I'm not going wide receivers uh, in the draft. Like, don't assume, like, everything that he has said he has gone out and done. And again, for Chicago Bear fans, we're like, this is, we're not used to this. Like, what is happening? Who is this person? What is going on? Because Matt Nagy always seemed like a cool sub, like the cool sub. Like, he's like Rod Belding, like, hey, he's the cool sub, promising all this stuff. He's going to take us white water rafting, then leaves us high and dry. Like, it just feels now just so much, just so refreshing. And we have a football coach, a guy who actually likes football. He's not sitting there diagramming, like, I don't want to sit there. And look at uh, look at look at somebody's living room, and it looks like Carrie from uh, Homeland trying to figure out, you know, with all these, you know, Charlie from Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Like, no, this is just a football guy who's putting football things together. I love everything about this. God, you just said that, and that reminded me of remember the virtual draft, and Matt Nagy had all of his play oh sheets God. on the walls and the wallpaper. Oh man, and, yeah, it just. Again, it feels like the adults are in the room. Like, I mean, that was cool. Everyone loved Matt Nagy when the Bears were winning in 2018. But 
then in 2019, when things started taking a you know, turn, then he's like, uh-oh, you know, yeah. now, now you can't cling to that. Now you're actually responsible for this. You need to fix it. And it just kind of felt like he got a little too arrogant for the situation. He was like, okay, look, I can do these cool things. People loved me for it. And then he just kind of did whatever he wanted. The whole collab, for all the collaboration talk, right? That word that kind of yeah. still has Bear's fans just like, oof. For all the collaboration, yeah. it just didn't really seem that he collaborated with his players. Like Trubisky even talked about it, like in his last year, how, you know, when he replaced Nick Foles at the end of the year, that he went in there was like, okay, this is what I want to do. This is what I do well. And that's when you started, that's when Bill Lazor was calling plays. And you kind of started to see the offense do a lot better. Granted, they were playing, you know, some lesser opponents. But you kind of saw that, you know, Trubisky was like, hey, this is what I do well. I want to do this. And they and it, and it worked for them, right? And I think that with Luke Getze coming in here and building this offense around fields and doing what he's he does well and what the rest of the players do well, I mean, I think that's going to be a huge impact. A lot of people talk about Justin Fields' support and cast not having, like, those big names. But at the same time, he didn't have an offensive scheme last year that did him that, that did right by him. And I think that that in itself is going to be like having one of those playmakers out there. Yeah, that is one of the biggest things. And I think that that's the argument that goes on, especially on social media, where everybody wants to dismiss Justin Fields after one year. Like, he didn't have a competent play-calling head coach. He did not practice with the ones. He did not do any of the things that a normal first-round pick that you traded up to draft has to go through. Even some of the guy, you know, and you've seen it happen with other quarterbacks, like, yeah, okay, you got to go in. You got to share some time with a veteran who doesn't want you to be there, maybe somebody who doesn't want to help you. We see the situation, which is sort of unfolding in Tennessee where Ryan Tannehill's like, it's not my job to get Malik Willis up to speed. You know, like it happens. But at the same time, like for a coach to absolutely ignore a first-round draft pick, this isn't like a fourth-round guy. This isn't like Dak Prescott, who was a fourth-round guy who came in and only got his opportunity because Tony Romo was out. Like you went out, and you sought out Justin Fields. He was clearly better than Andy Dalton. And then you're like, yeah, we, that's fine. Like, we're not going to do anything with this. I don't know if they felt it was better to put him in their hip pocket and be like, well, if things go south this year, we can be like, well, we still got Justin Fields. And maybe you can fool the McCaskies into thinking that. And I'm happy that, you know, we it was exposed last year. But at the same time, like that, that to me seems like one of the things that people overlook the most. And speaking of overlooking, um, again, Alyssa Barbieri of the USA Today joining us here, talking about her five positions where the Bears got worse. Let's talk about some of the spots, though, where they might have gotten better. And I was surprised by this. The pro football focus does not like the Bears running back room, which is a shock to me. Uh, how do you feel about the Bears running back room? Because I think that they could both be set up for a big year in 2022. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel really great about it. So I was a little surprised. I mean, you know, Dave Montgomery is no stranger to being, you know, you know, underappreciated, oh, right? Yeah. I think last year they had him ranked at 25th or 26th in the league, and it was just kind of ridiculous. But, you know, I feel really good about their running back room. I mean, you had Khalil Herbert, who was who had a really impressive rookie season for when he was given the ball, right? He replaced Montgomery for four games, and I don't think he rushed for less than 70 yards in those. He really got that, yeah. that experience in. He was good on special teams as well. And obviously, David Montgomery entering a contract year, you know, this is a year where he tries to downplay it, like, oh, I'm not thinking about where I'm going to be playing next year. But in the back of his mind, he has to be thinking that. So you know he's going to turn turn the gear up. 
uh, turn it on. So, and he also missed four games last year, and he probably would have had back-to-back thousand-yard uh, rushing seasons. And then you kind of look at the offense coming in. Matt Nagy again, you know, he wasn't the biggest fan of running the ball, running the ball, right? And with Luke Getzey's offense, it's going to be catered to helping Justin Fields, and that includes a run-heavy scheme. So we're going to see a lot of David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert and Adam. The Bears have a fullback again. What? They have a fullback, which is crazy. I mean, because, you know, that means they're going to run the ball, right? And you even saw some of the tight ends they picked up in free agency. It really indicates that the run game is going to be a big part of this offense. And for what David Montgomery has accomplished and from the little, you know, bursts that we've seen from from Herbert, I just kind of was shocked that they had them at 16th, like the middle of the pack. I I don't know maybe if I put them in the top 10, but maybe right there on the outskirts. I would have had them definitely inside the top 10. And by the way, Kari Blasengame uh, was a guest on the SICK podcast with Adam Rank a couple of weeks ago. And again, if you want to go down and like and subscribe to this podcast, we're on YouTube. Anywhere where you download podcasts, you can go back, check out some of those great archives. Uh, We had Jim McMahon, obviously. We had Clay Harbor, Kari Blasengame. We got some other great guests lined up for us here in the future. And again, we're so excited to be a part of the WCKG family, but just want to let everybody know who's driving around like, hey, I kind of like this show. Maybe I want to check out some more of it. We got some great stuff in the archives, so I implore you to go check that out. And I implore you to look at what Luke Getze was able to do last year with the Green Bay Packers. Now, listen, here's my thing. Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, and I know everybody's turning off the show now, so it was nice having you aboard. But no, but let's be realistic. Aaron Rodgers is fine. And it's ridiculous to, to put like the success of Aaron Rodgers on Luke Getze. I mean, he was there and it's whatever. And Clay Harbor talked about this. Like, yeah, there's always like, okay, like, okay, guy, yeah, you were there. Like, it's the whole thing. It's the whole Adam Gase thing. Like Adam Gase walked around for a long time being like, hey, I had, uh, I helped Peyton Manning and Jay Cutler to the best years of their career. And I'm like, okay, let me tell you. So here's what happened. Uh, you helped one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and you also helped Peyton Manning. Like, I get it. Like, okay, that doesn't, listen, it doesn't impress me. What impresses me, though, about Luke Getze, and this is one of the things that I always point to, is that last year, A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, both had over 1,100 scrimmage yards. AJ or Aaron Jones was a great receiver out of the backfield. I think he had at least five touchdown receptions. It might have been more. And I think when you look at that kind of usage, I think that Khalil Herbert and David Montgomery fit that mold perfectly. And if you go back to an Eagles example I was using earlier as well, like they're probably going to run the ball because they know that they have some deficiencies. They they got maybe they did get worse at wide receiver. Maybe they could improve on the offensive line. And by the way, you didn't have offensive line on your list. I thought for sure when I clicked into this this hot click this this clickbait article. No, I'm just teasing. You did a very nice job. You did a nice job with it. I'm telling you. Yeah. But you didn't. But you didn't have the offensive line on there. Why is that? Like I think a lot of people just assume that the offensive. You're just like they're already bad and they're still bad. Or what? What was your feeling there by leaving them off? Yeah, I debated putting them in there, but I was kind of again looking at it from a roster standpoint. And you look at who they lost, and they lost like like on the starting line. So you had James Daniels uh, and Jermaine Fetty, right? Uh, yeah. and, and Jason Peters. Uh, so then you kind of look at what they did. You had Tevin Jenkins, who really didn't get a lot of playing time, but, you know, you moved up to get him in the second round last year. Larry Borum, you know, showed, you know, he was impressive for the, for the short amount of time that he was out there as well. And, you know, obviously you go out and get Lucas Patrick, which I think I'm, I'm really high on him, you know, at center or if they end up moving into guard, because who knows. And then obviously that leaves the right guard position. I feel confident about 
the other four positions, but that right guard position, which always comes back to haunt the Bears since Kyle Long, it seems, right? So, I mean, right now it's been Dakota Dozier uh, and Sam Mustafer kind of rotating uh, during the offseason workouts. So, I mean, it sounds like one of them, you know, is the plan there, but I still kind of feel that, I mean, I I kind of felt the same about the offensive line. Like, I thought that Ryan Bowles would go out and try to make a move. Well, he did try to make a move, right? And he tried, you know, (laughs) when he tried to get Ryan Bates from the Bills, who ended up signing that offer sheet. But at the same time, the offensive line, it didn't get better. It didn't get worse. So I really debated kind of going back and forth there. I mean, because James Daniels was the big loss, and I think that Lucas Patrick kind of coming in canceled it out. So, I mean, yeah. at the same time, I think that they're not – but I think that they're in a better position with polls being in place and getting that new coaching staff in place as well. I think that gives them – I think the offensive line is going to be better than last year, but roster-wise, I mean, it didn't – there wasn't a whole lot of shifting. All right. Ryan Bates, of course, one of the most beloved athletes in Chicago history, despite never playing a game. Everybody acted like we lost MJ during his during his title run. Like it was Ryan, him not signing his him being matched by the Bills was on par with Michael Jordan's retirement, as far as Chicago lore goes. But as uh, as we draw to a close, though, I do want to ask you. So, okay, let's put it out there. I have been on the NFL Network. I predicted the Bears to win 10 games this season. How many wins? You don't have to pick an exact number, but if you want to, that's cool as well. And I know I'm putting you on the spot. And it's June. There's a lot to still happen. Where do you see the Bears finishing this season? Yeah, so I, I did this back when the schedule came out. I mean, they have a favorable schedule, which is is good for them. I mean, if there's a year for this and for Ryan Poles not be making too many moves and kind of like building the roster and taking some time to do it, I think this is a good season. I see them, I mean, again, we're in June, right? Uh, I see them, I put I put them between seven and eight wins. But again, mm-hmm. I think that that could, could shift depending on how things work out. I, I want to really see a product on the field first because it's different than if this was Matt Nagy's team coming back because then the number would be probably lower. Uh, just yeah. kind of knowing how the offense already looks, right? And all the question marks out there. But I mean, I think that this, this is a favorable schedule. They could shock people. I mean... Not to, I'm not going to compare this team to, to 2018, but I'm just saying like no one had any expectations for that squad either, right? And you kind of wow. you saw what they did with – I mean, he was a good coach that year, right? It worked for yeah. one year. Uh, so, I mean, at this point, I put them about seven or eight wins. I could definitely see that number getting – you know, going up. There aren't too many opponents that are like, you know, those games the Bears are absolutely not going to win. I put the yeah. Packers up there just because until they beat them, I'm not going to – ever pick the Bears to beat them. It's just not going to happen. And I think New England up there, you know, Dallas, depending on, I think that they could, there are some winnable games for the Bears and they're playing some, some bad opponents. So, I mean, depending on how, if Matt Eberflus has his team ready to go, which I feel like he he does, because already you're seeing like a culture change and, you know, what he's demanding from his team, that intensity, which, you know, got him in trouble a little bit, right. Uh, During the off season. So, I mean, I think the coaching is going to be going to be a big impact in this. So, and, and, the, and the schedule. So, I'm, yeah. I'm going to stick. Maybe I go eight. I'm going to say uh, they'll go right. eight and nine this year, with the potential to go up. All right. Well, I'm going to hold you to eight wins. Thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you stopping by, and uh, we'll look forward again uh, seeing you on the show once again, and of course seeing you on the Bears Wire. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Adam. All right, there she goes, the great Alyssa Barbieri. And, of course, thanks to everybody who downloaded and subscribed to this podcast. And uh, you can go out there and do that. And, of course, thanks to WCKG for allowing us to have this opportunity to entertain you on the drive time 
We appreciate you. We'll see you next Friday. And again, like and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed what you see, go search the archives. And until then, bear down. And Sammy, go ahead and play us out. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Adam Rank on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.